This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03, Friday afternoon, June 16th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. It may not seem apparent these days, but there technically is a dress code for airline passengers, and some people would also like to see a code of conduct. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now... Flight Rider, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist... Mercedes-Benz and Microsoft have agreed to add ChatGPT to cars in the United States. We're joined by Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter based in Detroit. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Uh, So how close are we to actually having a kit of our very own? You know, it's getting a little bit closer. And I've been following this for years. Early on, if you had a car that took voice commands, you had to speak distinctly to it, and often it didn't understand you. And, you know, you and I are radio professionals. We should be understood all the time. Now you've got, you know, the Hey Siri, Alexa kind of integration where it's easier to talk to these vehicles, and adding artificial intelligence actually makes it more like a conversation. And what are, what are some things you can do as the driver of this uh, Microsoft AI-enabled Mercedes-Benz? What can you make the car do? It, it, it's nothing different than what you can with many vehicles right now. In many vehicles, you, you, you can use voice commands to change the temperature, change the radio station. Not that anybody would ever want to do anything like that. Oh, don't even and, say that. Not even as a no, joke. No. <laughs> and, and set various controls because... This is this is the thing the industry has struggled with is it's frustrating to put a lot of controls on a touch screen, but there are so many things you control in a vehicle now. You might be awash in buttons if you don't put them on a touch screen. So the easiest way would be just tell the car to do it. And, and it really does uh, meet a need. I mean, this does not seem like an AI gimmick because uh, we, we tell people don't text, don't talk on the phone while you're driving, but at the same time, you're taking your eyes off the road just to adjust the air conditioner, and uh, that could be just as dangerous as, as texting somebody. Exactly, and this could actually make texting safe behind the wheel if you just tell your car, text my wife, tell her such and such and so and so, and it's set off without any kind of problem. So it really could be very useful. And again, cars have been moving in this direction for a while, and it it just makes it a little bit easier, a little bit more natural. I haven't had a chance to obviously test out this system, but I'd like to because Mercedes' current system is kind of clunky. In fact, it activates with the word Mercedes. So a couple of times I've test driven one of their vehicles and was talking about a Mercedes, and all of a sudden the vehicle starts talking to me. 
<laughs> that's a, that's always an awkward conversation, Jeff. Yeah. Um, does this mean the car will be fully connected? That it will be connected to a cellular network, so it can uh, it's it, it can send data to a central server, or uh, do you still have to connect through your own phone? Oh, you are so far behind on this. Uh, we've we've had cars connected uh, with 4G and now 5G modems for a while. So virtually every vehicle that we have right now is connected to one extent or another. I mean, obviously, there are some higher-end services that you're going to have to pay for if you want them, but the cars are sending data all the time. You know, Tesla, for example, does a number of over-the-air updates, all sorts of things. So connectivity is here. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Reporter based in Detroit. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. There is a call from some quarters to introduce an effective dress code, an effort to bring more civility to air travel, also issues of personal grooming and hygiene. Let's get the perspective of Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com based in New York. Joe, thank you for joining us today. And before we talk about the calls for increasing the dress code on airplanes, uh, there is already a dress code that you agree to in the contract of carriage when you actually buy your airline ticket. Yes, there is, Rob. And basically, the dress code is whatever the airline says is the dress code. They don't tell you exactly anything. It's left up to the flight attendant or the ticket agent. And that's generally where the flashpoint happens. Um, some, Some flight attendant or a gate agent decides you're not properly dressed and they send you away or there's a fight or something that gets on social media. But there are no specifics um, that you can point to in the airline contract of carriage. Are there some general rules of thumb, though, whether it's uh, the rules that can be enforced by the airline gate agent or just part of the unspoken societal compact uh, that we all agree to when we go inside this enclosed space with 200 other people for a couple of hours? Well, I think that's where we are. It's a matter of personal responsibility. It's ridiculous to go back to the days of shirt and tie for men with a jacket and frilly frocks for women. The airlines simply don't provide that kind of environment anymore. Uh, back in the day, which is when these things, these great dress codes were were standard, you know, you had much more personal space. Now you're you're basically trying for comfort over anything else. The trick would be, in my opinion, personal responsibility. Don't wear anything too revealing. Don't wear anything political, a MAGA hat or a BLM uh, T-shirt or something like that. Try to think about the, the other passenger with you. Don't do anything that would offend that other passenger, whether it's something too revealing or some stupid T-shirt, even if it's not political. Um, try to avoid the stuff that could cause a problem, frankly, at your dinner table. And on top of that, uh, just just coming out of the pandemic, uh, a lot of people developed a hair trigger. And and you see that at the airport especially. And it's quantified, too. The the number of incidents uh, of people uh, behaving poorly at airports and in airplanes has uh, really taken off, so to speak, in the last couple of years. Uh, It has, Rob, in the post-pandemic era. Thankfully, it's beginning to fall back a bit. Um, And honestly, we haven't had a lot of issues about clothing. The issues about disruptive passengers have sadly been about much worse things. 
like, you know, everything from spitting on another passenger to trying to open an exit door while you're flying. Um, we haven't had many issues about um, in-flight attire, although there's always the, the prissy people out there, you know, who want everything to look the way they want it to look. That, I think, is impossible. But again, common sense should rule the day. And if you're not comfortable wearing it around the dinner table uh, for a family meal, maybe don't wear it on an airplane. And that also extends to uh, your own personal hygiene. I mean, yes, we all know that 5 o'clock flight is early and you have to get to the airport around 3.30 a.m. But uh, by all means, please uh, take a shower or slap on deodorant before you go to the airport. Preferably both. I mean, and again... We come back to the close quarters that airlines now squeeze us into. Um, you know, you would you would want to wear plenty of deodorant. Please take a shower or bathe before you go to the airport. Um, expect hot, sticky days in the summertime, which will stretch the ability of both your shower and your personal deodorant. So err on the side of caution and take a longer shower. Put on more deodorant. And it's just the little things that make that flight all more, all the more pleasant. Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, a, a festival in the western suburbs is celebrating its 37th year. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk and expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The 37th annual Scottish Festival and Highland Games taking place in Itasca this weekend. Welcome in Gus Noble, the CEO of Chicago Scots, the host of this weekend's Scottish Fest and Highland Games. Gus, thank you for joining us today. Uh, you guys aren't holding uh, a garden party this weekend. It's a tartan party. It's a tartan party. How are you? Uh, oh. we, we have some of the the best things in Scottish culture here in Itasca this weekend, from music to uh, to food to to some great clothes and some genealogy that's happening. We are bringing Scotland to Chicago. It is. Uh, is this the second um, post-pandemic uh, Scottish Fest and Highland Games? It is indeed. Last year was the first one. We had a, one kind of virtual one, and then uh, we decided to kind of focus on uh, a couple of things in the 2021, but it promises to be a huge event. We've got the National Chef of Scotland here. Gary McLean is going to do some cooking demonstrations featuring the iconic haggis and some other Scottish dishes. And then I, I'm so looking forward to the mass bands on Saturday evening where we'll have all of the 46 pipe bands who are here get together and play in unison and it's the largest bagpiping championship in North America this year. Now, before we talk about what's going on this year, what was it like last year just to have everybody back in person once again? You know, the, this this festival always puts smiles on faces and, and warmth in hearts because it's 
it's all in support of a, a great cause. It supports the oldest charity in Illinois, and we we run a nursing home. Uh, and so we've really felt the pandemic in in lots of different ways, both being apart from one another, being apart from our culture, literally our our Scottish culture, and having run a nursing home, which was right at the front line of the battle against COVID. So last year, when Amazing Grace played by the mass bands, and there was a moment I looked around, and there was a grandfather holding his grandson's hand, and they just locked eyes for a second and wordlessly communicated across generations. And it was a wonderful moment of just families and people in the community coming together, reconnecting and establishing uh, life again. It just it felt like a step into an assuring place. And, and as, as you said, this is an event for everybody with all sorts of interests uh, taken care of. Uh, there's there's a, a, a whiskey tasting, uh, there's a, a kilt competition, there's a knobby knees competition. But tell me a little bit about the feats of strength, because, uh, and, and you have to qualify for these, is that correct? Yeah, this is the the heavy athletics, which is the centerpiece, the, the original Highland Games themselves were these feats of strength and endurance and agility and balance where, you know, the most iconic one is the, the caber toss where these athletes toss what looks like a telephone pole end over end and a perfect throw is when it faces 12 o'clock from the thrower. But there's also the bale of hay thrown with a pitchfork over a, a bar for height like in the pole vault. There's the stone throw, the hammer toss, and each one of those events has its roots in very traditional and practical uh, um, uh, uh, places in, in Scotland. We have athletes who come from all over the country. Uh, they're world record holders. Um, we set a world record for two or three of the events here on our field in Itasca, and we we look forward to, to really literally raising the bars higher and, and breaking more world records. Well, it sounds like a great time. Gus Noble, CEO of Chicago Scots. They are running the Scottish Fest and Highland Games in Itasca this weekend. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, finding adventure in the suburbs. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Bernie Tafoya. The Chicago police sergeant in charge of a wrongful raid of a social worker's home four years ago has been fired. A court ruling's been issued involving a strict abortion law in one Midwest state. Entrepreneur Friday partnering with a public entity to open an adventure park outside of Chicago. And you probably have multiple credit cards, but how many is too many? WBBM Business, the markets are mixed right now. The Dow up 54, the NASDAQ is down 17, the S&P 500 is up 6. We have 61 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies going up to a sunny 71. It's 12.31 topping our news at the half hour. The Chicago Police Board has voted to fire a CPD sergeant who led a highly publicized botched raid in 2019. The details from WBBM's Bernie Tafoya. Police had a no-knock search warrant when they rammed their way into the home of social worker Anjanette Young four years ago. She had been changing at the time and was naked, and police left her standing naked and handcuffed for several minutes, all the while she was telling them they had the wrong home. 
Now, Chicago Police Sergeant Alex Wolinski, who was in charge of the raid, has been fired. Young gave her reaction to CBS2. I was just overwhelmed um, with tears and, and grateful because this is what I've always wanted from the very beginning. Young says she wanted all the officers involved in the raid to be fired, but that she's satisfied that Sergeant Wolinski was fired. The city reached a settlement with her for nearly $3 million. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio 1059, WBBM. A state court has refused to unblock a strict abortion ban in the nation's heartland. Republican Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds wanted the state's highest court to dismiss a 2019 district court ruling that blocked Iowa's strict ban on most abortions. The Iowa Supreme Court failed to do that in a 3 3 split decision. The blocked law bans abortions once cardiac activity can be detected, usually around six weeks of pregnancy and before many women know they're even pregnant. Abortions are currently allowed in Iowa up to 20 weeks of pregnancy. Jim Crisula, CBS News. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are mixed at this hour. We're joined by Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist with Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. Tim, thank you for joining us this week. And after a week of a lot of numbers and a Fed decision, it sounds like uh, traders are just deciding to take a breath to today. <laughs> it is a quiet day, Rob, uh, and uh, the markets are very flat here, uh, not a lot of change. And, you know, Monday is a market holiday, so I think there are probably some people taking today off. And then just uh, it seems like the conventional wisdom about the uh, trajectory of the economy has certainly changed in the past week or so, as you see an encouraging consumer price index number, an encouraging uh, person, uh, PPI number, and a uh, the, the Fed deciding to, at the very least, pause in the month of June uh, just to catch its breath and kind of evaluate uh, this, uh, this rate hiking cycle. It seems like uh, the, the idea that there's going to be a recession is beginning to uh, fade in the distance, that the economy is uh, strong and and built to last for now. Well, I think it is. It was a very big and important Fed meeting uh, on Wednesday or announcement on Wednesday. And I think it it really has changed uh, the market trajectory a bit here. Uh, The Fed is pausing. It's not raising interest rates again. Uh, So we had more than a year of very significant rate hikes Uh, That has stopped. Uh, The Fed is still indicating that they may do more, uh, but there are some indications uh, that inflation is beginning to decline. Uh, It isn't coming down really fast, and it might require the Fed to hike rates again to bring it down more. But for now, the Fed seems uh, comfortable uh, moving to the sidelines and waiting to see what happens to the inflation data. Uh, And that's good for uh, investments uh, and good for stocks. And we've had quite a move in the stock market uh, year to date. And uh, we seem to have come through that big correction we had in 2022 uh, and are clawing our way back up. 
I, I, I've been asking this question a lot of people, and that is the imagine you had access to a time machine question. And that is, uh, let's go back to a year ago today, and we're talking about 9% inflation, 10% inflation, uh, oil prices well over $100 a barrel, gas prices in the 5 or $6 range. And I said, look, I'm coming to you from, from June of, of 2023. Inflation is substantially lower. It's not quite at the target yet, and we're not in a recession. How would you react to that? Well, you've got to say that there's been a lot of progress and the outlook is favorable. Uh, it doesn't look like we're headed towards a recession. Um, and, you know, that's good for the markets. Uh, the other, I think, big factor here has been, you know, the market's discovery of artificial intelligence, AI, uh, which is nothing new. This has been under development really since Computers were uh, first um, initiated, uh, but it seems to have you know come to light here that there are programs out there that you can uh, use uh, for artificial intelligence and to uh, you know speed up your work. Tim Grisky, senior portfolio strategist with Ingalls and Snyder, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, an Entrepreneur Friday, opening up an adventure park in a partnership with a suburban village. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're on a quest for adventure and learning about a business that's a public-private partnership. Welcome in Jeremy Bacon, CEO and co-founder of The Forge, Lamont Quarries, Outdoor Adventure Park in Southwest Suburban Lamont. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. And I remember when you guys opened three years ago, and it was the summer of 2020, the summer of the pandemic, when there just wasn't an awful lot to do outside of your own home. And uh, what was it like to open uh, during a very strange time in human history? And uh, what type of reception did you get uh, being an outdoor activity? Well, first of all, it's great to be here. Second of all, it was a very interesting time to start the business and open our doors. We were lucky because we actually had a very warm and welcoming reception from the public uh, because we were a safe place to be, a safe place to play in a way you could get outside with your friends and family, but be socially distanced in a way that allowed you to really uh, experience the summer as if there wasn't a pandemic all around you. So we were slammed all summer long. It was, it was really, really an exciting time for us to be open in the park. It also gave us a chance to learn how to, you know, operate uh, efficiently and to also stress test some systems. So we intentionally limited certain capacities and things to make sure people could be safe. And we didn't do concerts. We didn't do summer camps. We didn't do a lot of our educational programming because of the COVID pandemic. But we were then able to sort of introduce all those things over the course of the last couple of years. And now we're fully rocking. And, and, and how has, uh, has your programming evolved over the past three years? Yeah, I'd say the, the biggest changes have been that we every season we continue to add new attractions under our exhilarate pillar. So, you know, that's the all the fun stuff you can do outside. That's kayaking and biking and hiking and orienteering trails and zip lining and climbing and archery and archery battle tag and laser tag. There's a, there's a huge number of activities for families and friends of, you know, every age from sort of three to 93. People can get out there and have a good time. And so every season we add new activities to the mix to help keep things fresh and give people, you know, something else to do when they come out to visit us. Um, but we also were able to, post, post the pandemic, launch our summer camp program for youth. So we have four different types of programs that we run all summer long. We have Camp Coyote for little kids, age three to six, and we have 
Corey camps for kids 7 to 10 and then 11 to 14. And then we do a special abilities and special needs camp as well for the summer where we bring uh, folks from the region out to have a great time experiencing the outdoors and learning about nature. And that program has been a huge success. We actually sell out uh, early in the season so that, that, that this year it's completely sold out. Last year it was completely sold out. Um, and it's been great. We also were able to introduce and launch our entertainment programs. So for us, that includes races. So we do triathlon and fat tire bikes and running races and all kinds of great uh, races throughout the year. And then we do concerts and big festivals. So we have food truck festivals and Oktoberfest festivals. Today we have a huge national touring act in the park. Uh, we do concerts all summer long. And so it's a, it's a really exciting sort of full fledged series of programs now that we couldn't open in 2020. But and, then, and, then, and then very quickly, this is a, a public private partnership. Uh, this was yeah. set up in an old quarry in Lamont. Correct. And how did that partnership come together? Yeah. So there's, we're in this really interesting space where we purchased a, a decent chunk of the 300 acres uh, that we now operate in and around. And as part of our partnership with the village and township of Lamont, we took over stewardship for maintaining public lands. So we've actually invested almost $4 million up to this point into building out public infrastructure. That's parking, that's lights, that's roadways. We've done a lot of work to remove garbage and trash and things that unfortunately, because it was an old quarry, people were dumping cars and trucks and all kinds of terrible things out there. So we've removed almost all of that. And we've also started on an aggressive environmental restoration plan, too, where we're, we're over the course of the next five and 10 and 15 years, our, our vision is to with the support and sponsorship of our efforts, as well as the public and the village, uh, to turn the entire 300 acres that is the heritage quarries in which the forge sits into a into an oasis of uh, healthy ecological systems that everyone of every age can enjoy and, and experience. Jeremy Bacon, CEO and co-founder of The Forge, Lamont Quarries in Lamont. Thanks for joining us today. Still to come, deciding the right number of credit cards for you. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Most people have more than one credit card, and that's often a good thing. But what's the magic number of cards? Let's get some help from Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com, based in New York. Ted, thank you for joining us today. And some people, you know, when you when you, when they when they break out their wallet, let's say at a at a restaurant, and you see the number of credit cards they have, they look like a, a blackjack dealer at a casino. They may actually have fifty-two. <laughs> um, what is the danger in having too many credit cards? Having too many cards means that you might get disorganized. You might miss a payment, for example. That can cripple an otherwise excellent credit score. I mean, there's an element of the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Even one misstep, one 30-day late payment could drop your score 100 points or more, especially if you started from a really strong position. So I would say that's a big risk of having too many accounts. You know, maybe also if you're paying too many annual fees and you're not really getting good value from it or or maybe overspending sometimes there can be too much of a good thing and, and, and when we talk about you know let's define credit cards for these purposes because some people may have two or three cards issued by a financial institution but they could have four or five credit cards just store charge cards does that uh, uh, count when when you when you're factoring in the number of credit cards you have it should, yeah. And in fact, those store cards can be risky. One, they tend to charge really high interest rates, so you never want to carry a balance. But those are the kind of accounts that are easy to forget about. And you know, one other thing we haven't even mentioned yet is identity theft. The more cards you have, 
the more risk there is for fraud. Maybe you're not checking up on it regularly. Um, I know that sometimes people also pay store cards late by mistake because they don't use them that much. And then maybe you're at the store and you pull out the card and you buy something and then you're not in the habit of checking that account. So that month's payment gets missed. Um, Store cards can work for you if you pay in full and avoid interest. And if you're loyal to the store, that's another thing that I I think you need to shop there enough to make it worth it. And then in general, let's say uh, you do pay off a balance every month. Uh, What's like the optimal number of credit cards to have? Experience says the average American has about four credit cards. That actually sounds a little high to me. Um, You know, as you said, there are some people with 30 or more that have great credit and, and get great perks, but I definitely wouldn't start there. I think it's important to start small. You don't want to apply for too much credit all at once. I think something like two is probably a a good benchmark for a lot of people. I think we should have credit. That's important to build credit and demonstrate a track record. I think it often makes sense to have at least two cards for different reward structures, different fee structures, maybe at least one with no foreign transaction fees, for example. Sometimes it makes sense to have a couple of different networks, like if you happen to be traveling somewhere that doesn't accept your primary card network to each their own. But I would say, you know, for most people, something like two to four is probably a sweet spot. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.